You're listening to Advancing Our Church. Welcome to Advancing Our Church, a podcast about Catholic stewardship, leadership, and advancement. I'm Jim Friend. Happy Father's Day, everyone. It's been a great week, and I hope that you had a great Father's Day weekend. For our family, this is a year of milestones. Last weekend, we celebrated my oldest daughter, Brianna's high school graduation, and we are so proud of her, her friends, and all who matriculated over the past couple of weeks. It's a great time in your life, full of hopes and dreams about your future, and we'll be praying for you as you take these next important steps in your life. Great job, everybody. We're just coming off of Father's Day weekend, and as I reflect on what fatherhood has meant to me in my own life, I'm reminded that being a father is very much like being a steward. And we know that stewardship is a spirituality that reminds us that everything we have is a gift from God. And the fact that we really don't own anything in this world, we're asked to take care of the gifts that God has blessed us with and to share them with those in our lives. And when it comes to our children, when they were babies, they came into this world completely dependent on us for everything. It was our job to nourish them, care for them and help them become the amazing people that God wants them to be. But it was always in that spirit of stewardship, wasn't it? Knowing that we don't own our kids. They don't belong to us. We're given their childhood for a brief time. And eventually, we give them back to God and to the world as an amazing gift for everyone to share. And so for all the dads out there who are helping your kids to become the person that God wants them to be, happy Father's Day. Great job. And now in the spirit of stewardship, let's get to work. Today we're talking about stewardship, because last month we visited the Florida Regional Stewardship Conference in Miami. Well, you know, somebody had to do it. My colleague and stewardship expert, Anna Vaez, joined me on this journey. Anna is a senior director with Changing Our World, and she's based in San Diego, California. Anna and I interviewed many different participants in the conference, including Archbishop Wensky, Archbishop of Miami, Julianne Stans, who is an author and speaker on evangelization, and many, many others. These are some great interviews, and we had a lot of fun doing them. Now, as they say in the news talk, let's get to the floor of the convention center. Hello, and welcome to the Changing Our World podcast. We're here in the Archdiocese of Miami in Florida at the statewide stewardship conference uh seven dioceses coming together here uh, in the archdiocese of miami as i understand it uh, this happens every other year uh i've also heard there's almost a thousand people here in attendance we're very excited i i uh, just met archbishop wensky he's uh, also very excited to see all the different uh, multicultural folks that are here people from different parishes different walks of life schools uh, and I'm here with Anna Vaez. Good morning. It's just a pleasure to be here meeting everybody who's representing those seven dioceses and locally as well here in the Diocese of Miami. So Anna, um, you and I worked together for a short time. We were doing some work together in the Diocese of Green Bay. It's so great that we're here uh, in Miami together. Tell me a little bit about uh, your experience here with the firm uh, at Changing Our World and some of the work that you've 
you've done with us? You know, what's really great is the way that our uh, our model has evolved over the last three, four years. The work that we've done in Dallas, in St. Louis, in Camden, and now Wisconsin, um, and most recently in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles has really helped us to form this very good approach for engaging um, different communities, different ethnic groups. And just the short time that we've been here today, uh, we've had a good response to the marketing brochures that we're sharing, our stewardship brochures. And uh, folks are really looking at the Educate, Engage, Empower model. And it's really great because they're asking questions about it, asking about our successes, where we've worked, the types of communities that we've worked with, and um, how we might personalize that approach to their specific uh, communities. That's fantastic, Anna. And, and I know you have done a lot of work uh, in your home state of California. And you know, tell me a little bit about some of the parishes that you've worked with out there. You know, the Archdiocese of Los Angeles has five different regions um, and ranging in distance from Long Beach to Santa Maria and actually north of Santa Maria. It's, it's really a big archdiocese. And so we spent uh, approximately two and a half years there. We're just finishing up with our last parish in Santa Maria. And the great news to report is that we have now an aggregate increase of 20% in offertory giving based on the model that we used. Mm. I think it came together because number one, we knew what the parishes were looking to do. We had a really good pulse on the communities, uh, how the communities work. And three, we knew that they were really struggling with the word stewardship, how to message it, um, how to teach others about what it means. Uh, And so I think all of this helped lead to them really working with us. They were really happy to embrace an approach that they felt could work in their communities. And I think what was really important were the words that they were using for stewardship. It was, uh, and there were three different words that folks were floating around and, and people weren't just responding to that, but they did respond to the definition of what stewardship is. Not necessarily what we call stewardship in Spanish, the three different words, but they responded more to how we described it, how yeah. we, we shared with them how to message that and, and how to message it with the same enthusiasm and energy they would have when they talk about their love of Christ. Mm-hmm. So I think all of this led to some really good successes in the parishes. That, and, you know, you and I have talked to some folks here on the convention floor about their different approaches with stewardship. And, and your area, Anna, with the firm, has been uh, really focusing in on the Latino communities. What makes uh, that, that kind of a stewardship initiative with a Latino community a little different or our approach a little bit special? I think a lot of that has to do with understanding the culture yeah. that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And um, different cultures approach stewardship differently. So um, speaking of the Latino community, you may have a different approach in Colombia versus Panama versus El Salvador mm-hmm. and, and Mexico. Right. So I think the important thing is to really know the community that you're working with. Mm-hmm. So in Los Angeles, we would work in one particular parish. That parish might have had a, a large Latino community that was from, say, Guatemala. 
And so we had to really know, okay, what are the um, characteristics of that community? How does the pastor work with that community? How do they message stewardship? What words do they use when they message that? So it's it, to answer the question, it's to really have a good understanding of that particular community. And I think that's, that's the first step to leading to actually working with that community. Sure. The other thing is to... Um, you know, to use the model, the educate, engage, and empower model, it's to really educate clergy leaders, members of the groups, really getting to the heart of those parishes. And the heart of the parishes is, are those folks that are most involved. And I think, you know, our model is, is working with the clergy and parish leaders and reviewing our approach and also our language of stewardship doc. And I think that was really important, pointing out how to message it and the way that you message it, you know, using your enthusiasm and energy when you message what stewardship really means. So, Anna, you know, when you think of the word stewardship, uh, we had conversation before. There's, there's different words that are used in the Latino community. Yeah. What's your view on the correct word to use or what is the right word? You know, doing this for, for so many years now, I... I I keep encouraging pastors, deacons, and leaders to describe stewardship, share with folks how they embrace the word, what it means to them. Because right now there's three words floating around in the Latino-Hispanic community, and that's corresponsabilidad, la administración, and uh, mayordomía. And I think it's more important to really describe what it means, the time, talent, and treasure, what it means to be a good steward of faith, how to embrace being a good disciple of Christ. I think it's more important to do that. So, um, Absolutely. Yeah. In short, I wouldn't use that. And that's the yeah. reason why mm -hmm. we, in our work, we share the language of stewardship document because yes. it messages, it, it, it shares how to message stewardship and what it means to folks in so many different ways. Absolutely. Um, and recommends what words not to use. Uh, shares the difference between what a donation is and what a pledge is or a commitment. Mm -hmm. it, it really shares what being generous means in the Catholic community. Fantastic. And um, just on a personal level, tell me a little bit about your career. Uh, what did you do before you came to Changing Our World? First, how long have you been with Changing Our World? Almost seven years. And, yes. then, and where, where did you come from? What did you do before that? I worked with capital campaigns for other nonprofit organizations, not yeah. necessarily faith-based. But I did work with faith-based in a more volunteer capacity with my own Catholic church. Oh. And then with the church that I grew up with in um, in the San Diego region or county. Um, but more importantly, I've also worked with the Latino community. I'm the president of a nonprofit that gives scholarships to Latinos. And what's the name of that nonprofit? Uh, I'm sure that there's a lot of people like to know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Mexican American Educational Guidance Association. Okay. And I actually received a scholarship from this group when I went off to college. And really? Yes. So mm -hmm. now I'm actually the president of this nonprofit. So it is exciting. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. And, and so it, it's uh, great. We have at least six alumni on our board, yeah. which is really great. Um, we do little to no fundraising simply because we have a group of about almost 100 donors who've been giving to this organization for 30 years. Okay. Giving nice. because they know that 98% of everything they give goes right back into scholarships for Latinos. Yeah. So that's one thing that I did. And, and I think... A, 
my energy and enthusiasm for the work that I do, I think, comes from that um, deep feeling and love for Christ and um, my beliefs and faith. And I think... I think the success that I've had over the last 20 years is because it comes from that faith. I, and, I, I and, and the the spirit by which uh, you un, I mean you undertake everything. You have such a bubbly personality, and yeah. it's 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 obvious to those of us that work with you that uh, you have that deep connection to right. your faith, and that it comes out in everything that you do. So right, and it's not surprising that I'm asked. You know, will you speak at mass and will you come and speak at this group? Because I think people appreciate that enthusiasm mm -hmm. and energy. And um, when they ask me what led to the successes we had in Dallas or what's, what led to the successes we had in St. Louis and in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, it's really not hard to, to understand that. I always tell them. And, and it's kind of like a tagline that I have. Is there any doubt in your mind that I love what I do? No. And yeah. folks will say, nope. And I tell them, you've known me for less than an hour. How do you know that? It's because of your enthusiasm, your energy, yeah. um, your beliefs. And, and, and I say, that's it. Yep. That's the magic. Yeah. Yeah, that's the secret to this, is just make sure that when you share this message of whatever it is, whether it be a capital campaign or stewardship, that you're sharing it in a way where you're showing that enthusiasm that you have. So um, It's beautiful. I, I, um, I try to live that myself. I, I think uh, it's hard, to, it's hard to, to do this work. I think it's impossible to do this work well if you don't have a, a personal connection to it. I think that's where it started for a lot of us. I, I still volunteer in my own parish. Uh, I, mm -hmm. I stay engaged, uh, obviously, with my, my kids' activities. But um, on a personal level, you have to be a part of continuing the mission of Jesus Christ here in the world today. That's got to be a personal mission before we go out and, and try to work with other people. So it comes out in everything you do, Anna. I'm so excited to work with you. And, yeah, same uh, here. This is, uh, it's great to be here in Miami. We're going to go ahead now and uh, introduce you to some of the folks here on the floor of the convention, uh, the folks who are uh, in workshops today learning about stewardship. The conference is called The Four Pillars of Stewardship. Uh, and it is May 4th, 2019 here in Miami, Florida. Uh, and now we're going to go ahead and, and meet some of the folks who are here uh, enjoying the conference. Good morning, Archbishop Wenski. Good, Good morning. Thank you for having us here uh, in the Archdiocese of Miami. Uh, tell us a little bit about your hopes for today. Well, this is a uh, provincial gathering that gathers people from all the seven dioceses of Florida. So that is a great thing for us because Florida is a very spread out state. Uh, and so it gives people an opportunity to get to know each other. But also with the exhibitors and the topics on stewardship, it's a great opportunity for learning. Tell me a little bit about what's happening in stewardship in the Archdiocese. Well, uh, stewardship in the Archdiocese is, uh, is, I think, an increasing reality in our parishes. Uh, it's the wave of the future and really... Uh, you know, the church will grow to the extent that people recognize themselves as, as stewards. And this, a steward or administrator is not the owner. And, and of course, uh, the only thing that we own are our sins, and everything else is God's. And so uh, to have the understanding of stewardship means that we understand that everything we have is a gift of God, and we are entrusted by God to use it. Uh, not only for our own benefits, but for 
uh, the greater good of all. Absolutely. Well, Archbishop, we're so excited to be here. Um, what are your hopes for today? Well, today I hope that uh, people, as I said, uh, uh, have the opportunity to get to know each other better. Right. Uh, people from different dioceses. Yeah. Uh, also, I think uh, uh, seeing other people from other dioceses here uh, passionate about the same things, I think, is also very affirming for those that are in this uh, in this apostolate because this is a and apostolate, the idea of, uh, of uh, inculcating in our parishes, the idea of stewardship is certainly a, a very important ministry in our church. And they certainly learn from each other by networking and talking about exactly. their shared experiences. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's fantastic. Archbishop, thank you so much for coming today, okay. and thanks for taking a minute for our podcast. Very good. Thank you. Great to meet you. I'll take that. Thank you. So Juliana Stan, so nice to, to finally meet you. You did such a fantastic job uh, on the keynote today. Welcome uh, to the conference. Welcome Thank to you. Miami. It's beautiful here. I'm really glad to be here and I'm so glad to see so many people excited about stewardship here. It's been good so far. I'm really enjoying it. So uh, in your it, towards the end of your talk, I noticed you talked about uh, that stewardship hin hinges on the points of healing, hope, and hospitality. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think um, this is an insight that was actually given to me uh, by a pastor. So I went to visit a community a couple of years ago, uh, a parish community, and they were really struggling. They were struggling to with their mass attendance numbers. They were struggling with their offertory collection. Everything was down, down, down. Mm -hmm. And um, I had heard some good news from this community, and I went out to speak to their pastor. And I kind of expected a, pa a parish that was going to be in the grip of rigor mortis at this stage, and it wasn't. It was alive, and it was vibrant, and there was uh, people coming in and out of the parish office, and there was a, just a real general sense of excitement. And so I said to this pastor, Father David, what's different here? And I, I expected that he was going to have, you know, a lot of large plans that he was going to show me. And he had some of those, but he pointed to three things that was um, hinge points for him in the success of of the growth of the community, healing, hope, and hospitality. That community, um, like all of us need healing, but that community especially, there was a lot of folks there. They were tired. He said he, said he looked out at Mass um, and he realized how tired people were and how much they needed to be affirmed in their desire to be there. And so he started changing um, what he hoped for for that community and started helping them with building on their dreams and their vision. And so little things like um, going in and seeing all the empty pews in his parish, he started praying that those people would, people would be coming, they would be filled. But then he started talking about the hope of having young people in the parish and getting those people to pray for the people in their pews and spiritually adopting. He had all these ideas, but essentially everything he did was around healing, hope, and hospitality. It points to a stewardship way of life and living out that attitude of gratitude. So um, I came from a real-life practical example where a parish literally turned itself around by focusing on those. Well, that aspect of healing, as you said, is so key, especially in today's church. And one of the slides that you showed was so telling in, in the fact that trust has declined so much over mm -hmm. the years. Can you tell me a little bit about more about that? Yeah, what's interesting is um, life... Um, is all about relationships. And I mean, that's why we are involved in what we're doing. That's why we're talking about stewardship from the position of, of people and not from emphasizing all of the other tactical components. And, um, and we have, I think, in the last couple of years, especially all across the country, I think people have really been trying to focus very much on how do we tell people's stories. 
Um, on the healing component, what I think is um, really an opportunity for us is to really help people who have um, built a bit of trust with the Catholic Church and maybe had that trust diminished um, with um, some of the media reports, um, the news, but really looking at um, how do we build communities um, where we can uh, empower people to trust us. And so I, I often say discipleship moves at the speed of trust. You can only move forward with mission in your church as much as people are willing to trust you with their mission, with their money, with their gifts, with even volunteerism. And so trust is a huge opportunity for us right now to build as a community. So Juliana, so well said. Uh, you are uh, you're the director of evangelization in the Diocese of Green Bay. That's a great question. <laughs> I, I, like many people who are good at their job, that job probably continues to morph and yes, evolve. Yes. Yeah. And uh, and you're also a consultant for the USCCB, yeah. so you do a, you, you do see that national picture. You do. You know, I've been uh, with the work of the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops for the last eight years now, mm -hmm. and I've been serving on the committee for catechesis and evangelization, or more properly evangelization and catechesis. Evangelization mm. always comes first and then the catechetical component. Sure. Our current chair is uh, Bishop Barron, so he's probably very familiar to a lot of the people who are listening. And um, he's um, re-engaging the conversation on, on reaching out to the millennials and those um, young folks, Generation Z, who um, are the lowest religiously affiliated um, generation. But it's interesting because over the last couple of years, the conversation around evangelization and mission, which is so tightly connected to stewardship, has become much more of a focus in that committee's work. And so it's been very exciting for me to um, support the research that the bishops are doing and support the direction that they've been moving to really help our communities be growth-oriented rather than maintenance-oriented. Mm. And you saw, I, I was uh, in Orlando a couple of years ago, you, I believe, played MC <laughs> yeah, for, the, for the convocation. <laughs> What an amazing uh, event that was. Uh, it's almost two years later. Are we seeing the benefits of, the, of that great event that we saw? Or were seeds planted that we're beginning to realize and sprout today? I mean, that is a great question, Jim. I, um, so just recently, um, I don't do as much uh, large events um, outside of the Diocese of Green Bay as I used to in the past. Partly is because uh, my family have, have three small children, mm. but also because I can concentrate and, and do some writing and, and help uh, parishes and diocesan leaders that way. But I did do an event um, that was a great sign of hope for me. So the Diocese of Camden um, had an event uh, took place on the Jersey Shore. Um, and it was absolutely fantastic. It was called The Joy of the Gospel in South Jersey. And they replicated convocation as a re-energizing for their diocese. And so I'm, I've seen seeds of that. It's slow, but it's steady rolling across the country because, I mean, we brought 5,000 leaders together for that event in Orlando two years ago. That's tremendous. But we're just tapping into... Um, you know, the early adopters were right on it. They went back to their diocese in the fall and they started working. But for the rest of us, we needed a little bit of time to process. And mm -hmm. so I've seen some real signs of hope with that event. Yeah, It's fantastic. And events like this are signs of hope as well. Oh, yeah. You know, you know I was at the ICSC mm -hmm. in the fall yeah. and... Um, I, I saw you do the keynote there. It was fantastic. Thank you. So... Um, what I noticed about that conference, which to me was a sign that the work that um, our folks in stewardship are doing is bearing fruit, was for me coming in as an outsider into that conference, it's not a conference I would have ordinarily ever attended. The welcoming, the warmth, um, the care, do you need anything? I mean, it was 
um, extended to every person who is new, not just me. A lot of people, as I came in on that first day, didn't realize you know, I was going to be doing their keynote that night. Wonderful warmth and hospitality. And, and today at this event, you see it as well. You see that real desire um, for growth and for mission and for to turn uh, people's hearts in, an, in a new way to what we're doing. It's fantastic. And I, I saw that you, uh, I don't know if this was recent or not, but you, you co-wrote a book on uh, for catechists. I did. Backpack for catechists. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the book. How's yeah. it been? So I've been writing steadily over the last couple of years, um, and I've been working with Loyola Press. Um, one of the groups that I feel um, most passionate about in the church are our catech- catechists and catechetical leaders who are passing on the faith and doing a lot of the work of pre-evangelization to reach those folks um, who are not coming to Mass that we don't typically see, but to provide that bridge of trust. Um, and so I uh, co-wrote with Joe Paprocki a book called The Catechist Backpack, but it's really for everyone. I give it to parents. Um, I give it to parish council members. And then uh, two years ago, or maybe it was last year, um, a new book that I wrote came out also called Developing Disciples of Christ. And um, that's in its second printing, which is really exciting. Yeah, um, people wow. have really responded. And then this October, my newest book is going to be released to help parishes really drill into this conversation. Like we've heard a lot about new evangelization, we've heard a lot about missionary discipleship, but now what does that tactically mean for your parish, spiritually and practically? So I'm super excited to announce that's coming out on October 1st this year. That's exciting. Congratulations. you're the first people to hear about it. Wow, we are breaking news (laughs) here. We scooped them. (laughs) Well, the the practical examples of how to implement it is is so important because sometimes we come out of a conference and we're on fire, but we don't necessarily know, now I'm back in my parish, what do I do? Is that Mm kind of what the focus is a little bit? Absolutely. It talks about getting parish teams together. Um, The first mission field parishes have to realize aren't their people, it's their parish staff. Mm -hmm. And if you don't feed the shepherds, they leap the sheep. And so how do we... (laughs) I just heard that this week and it made me laugh. Um, But it's so true. And so how do we help our parish staff be their best advocates and ambassadors for evangelization and stewardship and discipleship and but also how to translate those concepts and um and that and really who we are as a people in a way that's accessible um we recently learned for example in the diocese of green bay that the word evangelization is still very very scary for folks so sharing good news having servant hearts reaching out with the love of jesus that kind of language um is a big bridge of trust, but actually some of the language that we use in the Catholic Church can actually leave people feeling cold. So we've got to we've got to do some work at bridging that disconnect. Yeah, and then so there's the and there's evangelization, and then you hear a lot the new evangelization. Yes. So what does that mean, right? I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah. How, how would you describe that for somebody who, who's listening? So one of my favorite documents is Evangelion on Siandi, and it talks about evangelization cannot be new since the content is two thousand years old and the very person of Jesus Christ Himself. Exactly. I, I always <laughs> open up with that, but yep. I often say to people, what is new is the audience, and um, we have to exercise as uh, Saint. John Paul II said, new ardor, new methods, and new expressions. Um, Old ways won't open new doors for us. And so um, it's about reaching out um, to folks with with, uh, new energy and uh, with all the tools that we have available to reach people today, to do it in a different way. So I often say it's about conserving um, the treasures and the beauty and the depth of Catholicism, but liberating them in a way that makes sense for people to hear today. And um, so what's new about it is our audience. I think we 
can no longer presume that folks that are baptized, um, that are, you know, regular folks sitting in our pews at Mass on Sunday are going to be there five years from now. I think the research is telling us that um, we need to direct some love and care and attention to their spiritual growth. And we always thought that we didn't need to do that. Um, we were concerned with mission being overseas in Africa, for example. But mission is our families, it's our neighborhoods, it's, it's our communities. So that's where the new piece comes in. Yeah, and and what um, it must be exciting to serve with Bishop Robert Barron on the committee. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of the embodiment of the new evangelization yeah. and the work he's done in new media. That that that's exciting. He, yeah. It's very exciting, and yeah. in fact, in November um, this year, Bishop Barron and the committee that we we work together on, how do we help um, the U.S. bishops hear just how uh, multifaceted the opportunity and also the challenges of working with young millennials and Generation Z and, you know, the, the emerging generations. What is the research telling us and what are they telling us? So um, Bishop Barron has engaged uh, a studio to produce um, almost like a little documentary mm. on various aspects of the conversation and that will be uh, shared with the U.S. bishops at the November meeting. And actually, I will be one of the panelists at that discussion. Wow. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. Well, as the father of three teenagers, I'm glad to hear it because uh, <laughs> yeah. they've got their phones and that's what they live with and yeah. uh, it, we have to be able to reach them where they're at. So that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be exciting because I think we have to take it from, you know, this isn't an emerged reality. This right. is the reality for our young folks. Yeah. And so how do we engage young people who think with their eyes? And, you know, there's a scripture I often come back to, um, for this people's hearts have grown dull. Um um, but they might listen with their eyes. And young people are listening to the Catholic Church with their eyes, what they see online. And I think the um, recent uh, burning of the cathedral at Notre Dame in France was a great example of young people seeing um, the abject sadness of people all around the world, um, which is an icon of beauty and truth, but it is an icon of the Catholic Church. That community really we were all struggling with that sure uh, thankfully the news isn't as grave as we thought it was but I think it's a, it's a re we can engage young people like why why did that hit so many young people around the world something is, it's beyond the cultural piece it's getting to the depth of meaning behind it absolutely and and uh, philanthropy and people of all generations respond yeah. to that crisis it was incredible yeah and think yeah. about how quickly people responded mm -hmm. I mean right away you had uh, Salma Hayek's husband pledge you know a hundred million dollars to the to the building of the cathedral mm -hmm. because our communities our parishes aren't just buildings they're places uh, sacred spaces of worship and community where we have we gather together to celebrate life's greatest moments death birth new life emerging in marriages and some of the greatest pains and struggles in our life sitting in the pew you know mourning the loss of a parent or a child we bring those we bring that right into that building and so preserving um, who we are as a community of faith is important for future generations Juliana, I just want to thank you so much for stopping by here to say hello to us at, at the so Stewardship welcome. Conference, and uh, congratulations, and best of luck with the launch of your book in the fall. And thank you. Looking forward to continuing to um, to see the great things coming out of your office. Thank you. It's just a, a great opportunity to be here with you. And to everyone that's listening, uh, thank you for listening in, and God bless you in your ministry. Thank you. We're going to take a short break here from our time in Miami and meet another one of our great members of the Changing Our World team. As I announced last week, Advancing Our Church is a production of Changing Our World. 
a fundraising and social impact firm that has been advising nonprofits and corporations for the past 20 years. Mr. Gavin Mooney is president and chief client officer at Changing Our World, where, in addition to providing comprehensive counsel for a myriad of clients, he is responsible for expanding and overseeing the firm's business relationships. Let's talk with Gavin. Gavin Mooney, welcome to the podcast. So glad to have you today. Jim, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited about our conversation and excited about this podcast. Well, I can tell you're in the car, Gavin. Tell us where you're headed today. Yeah, well, that's day in the life, Jim, on the road, a road warrior, whether it's trains, planes, or automobiles. I am actually heading now to our client at the Hartford Bishops Foundation in Hartford. We have a uh, we have an executive committee meeting, so looking forward to meeting with Archbishop Blair and some of the other senior leadership within the Archdiocese of Hartford. That's fantastic, uh, Gavin. You tell us a little bit about you know the work of CW, and you know I, I know we've done a lot of work in the Catholic space and faith-based space. Tell us a bit about your own experience with it. Yeah, absolutely, Jim. Um, so I came over from Ireland in 2001, and I started uh, my own career with the Archdiocese of Boston, and um, we were running a, a major fundraising drive for them. And, and those experiences and the great work of the Catholic Church made a real impact on me personally, as well as professionally. And from there, um, I've worked with Change in Our World to help them develop their Catholic-based, faith-based fundraising uh, effort now nationally and internationally with hundreds of Catholic nonprofits. And, you know, what? You know, I think that the real interesting position for me personally is, and I think the real aha moment is, that the Catholic Church does so much, so much, whether it's social service ministry, education, healthcare, across the globe and nationally. Um, it does so much, but yet it's an untold story. And we're, as a faith, um, a very humble entity, and we don't like to talk about the great works of what it is that we as church do. And so for me, through the work that we all do at Changing Our World, through fundraising campaigns or through optimization of annual funds, we help tell the story of the impact of our faith, how it helps feed the homeless, how it helps people that are on the streets um, that need to be fed, how we help further um, education in inner cities and urban environments, uh, in communities across the country, how we help people get health care, uh, you know, Catholic, Catholic health care system are some of the largest systems in the world. In fact, in, in the States, the largest healthcare system is Ascension, 128 hospitals across the Midwest. When we look at social services and the impact that Catholic Charities has, for the most part, the largest social service provider across the nation. So, so for me, it's about telling the story. It's about how we can help further the mission of the church. And at the end of the day, great, do great work impact the lives of, of, of millions of people on a daily basis. Very well said, Gavin. You know, one of the things that I've heard over the years is that we as Catholics, we do things uh, for folks not because they're Catholic, but because we are Catholic. And do you think that's, that's, I think that's true of our work here at Changing Our World? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, Jim. And so um, tell us a bit about your own, your own background. Do you have a Catholic upbringing? Yeah, I did. I am uh, Christian Brothers, the Irish Christian Brothers. So I went to actually start, uh, be remiss if I didn't talk about the sisters. Yeah. I started with the sisters. 
in elementary school in, a, in, a, in St. Patrick's School in Bray, County Wicklow, Ireland. And then I went on to St. Kevin's Christian Brothers um, for high school and University College Dublin for, um, for my uh, bachelor's degree in finance. So, yes, educated by the brothers and sisters throughout my childhood. Wonderful experience. The unfortunate reality is that the brothers are no longer in Ireland, which is crazy in terms of where times have come, where, you know, every school in Ireland was a Catholic-based school. 99% of them, when I was growing up, I was a Catholic-based school, a Christian Brothers school, or other um, religious order school, and how that's now, you know, turned on its head as it relates to, you know, the brothers are no longer there. And, and it, it's tough, you know, it's tough to look back and look back at my old school and, and which is currently around and not see any brothers working in that school but their legacy continues to perpetuate I think in those that are alumni of their respective schools as well as sort of the charism of those schools and their mission and their vision and their methodology of education is still uh, living through in those schools today and I think that can be said you know across many schools as change happens and as many of the schools become laitized stateside and and there's less and less religious working, you know, our hope is that mission, those values, uh, the vision of these respective religious orders that, that founded these schools uh, lives on in perpetuity in terms of what they all do. So, Gavin, uh, lastly, uh, what are your hopes as we, uh, you know, as you and I talked about launching this podcast with Brian, we had Brian on the show last week. You know, what, what, yeah. do you, what, do you, what are your hopes for our podcast? Yeah, so I hope that we can just learn from those people that are on the ground, that are doing the grassroots work as it relates to our faith and as it relates to um, implementing, you know, the, the great works of mercy, whether that's feeding the poor, as I said, or homeless or shelter, whatever that is, it's my hope that we can learn from them, those grassroots folks, these small organizations or large organizations that are, that are the real heroes that are doing this work daily day in and day out on the ground that are making a difference. I want people to understand these folks and what they're doing and the impact that they're having. And as a result of that, the impact that the church has, where I start from in terms of the impact that the church has on our great country, in our wonderful communities, and how they make a profound impact in the daily lives of many. So sharing those stories and listening to those stories and hearing those stories, listening to great innovative approaches that people are implementing day in and day out, learning, and hopefully as a result of that, um, inspiring others to do the great works and learning uh, uh, different innovative approaches to do those great works, no matter where you are geographically, geographically across the nation. So that's what's really impressive uh, about this podcast from me, Jim. It's really you know, learning from others, sharing great uh, innovation, um, and hopefully furthering the great works that we all do um, in our faith across the nation and making serious impact. Well, we will do our best to fulfill that mission. That's a great charter for us, I think. And and a lot of, you know, even before I came to the firm, which is fairly recent, um, a lot of, uh, of of what I saw come out of changing our world and the thought leadership pieces, I think, were very compelling. And hopefully this podcast will continue that tradition and even take it to the next level. I, I couldn't agree more, Jim. I mean, we've tried throughout our own personal careers and change our worlds 
20 years. Can you believe it, Jim? It's 20 years that we've been in existence now. Well, we've tried throughout our respective careers and leadership and the team that we've established, great team that we've established, who come from diocesan setting or Catholic charities or or from the corporate sector and want to you know come in and do good purpose work and specifically within the Catholic arena do great work. We, we've tried to be a facilitator of great ideas and sort of a, uh, a bring a, a symposium of ideas to the fore. And so I hope through this through this great tool, uh, through a podcast, we're going to be able to continue to, to do that and share what we see in many of your listeners' uh, experience day in and day out with a larger audience. So we're, we're excited about that opportunity. Well, thanks, Gavin. And, and hey, on a personal note, tell our listeners where you're from. from. I, I believe your family's in the Boston area. Yes, we are in uh, Milton, Massachusetts. So it's about seven miles south of Boston. I spent some time in New York City about uh, eight years and started my career in, in Boston. I stayed with the Archdiocese of Boston. And now yeah. um, I have two two wonderful children, Millie, uh, who's eight, and Finn, who's six, and, um, and great kids. And Millie just made her communion uh, two weeks ago. Oh, congratulations. And, uh, uh, wife Sally, who's also uh, very involved in in the uh, purpose space and and raises uh, money for fun um, for a particular organization of fundraising as well. So we are a, a purpose driven family, and we want to do good <laughs> in the world, Jim, like many others out there. Absolutely. Well, Gavin, I, I it was a treat to have you on the podcast. We're going to have you back on again soon, I'm sure. And uh, thanks for joining us today. Jim, thank you, and best of luck. And I can't wait to to learn from all those that are going to participate. Um, in this wonderful effort. Great. Thanks, Gavin. Thanks, Jim. Take care. You too. Thanks, Gavin. Now let's get back to the convention center in Miami and meet more of the participants. Father Leo, uh, welcome to the Stewardship Conference. Great to see you. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you've experienced today. Well, today it's been amazing, catching up with some people that I went to seminary with, one of the organizers, wow. and, uh, and then also having a chance to do something that a lot of people don't see. We, I went back into the kitchen to prepare for my talk, which is the closing keynote talk, and it's actually a cooking demonstration, so I needed to work with the local kitchen. Wow. And uh, they were amazing here at the Hilton, but then... Afterwards, we set up, the executive chef came up and said, can you bless my kitchen? Cool. And I think that's the unique part. We forget that stewardship, we forget that what we're doing here at this conference is really about becoming servants. And, uh, and, and what the church is trying to do is help everyone to become a servant of your talent, time, and treasure. Oh, that's fantastic. So you're giving the, the closing keynote, and you're going to be giving us a cooking demonstration. That's is this, right. Is this something that you do normally? So I'm the host and founder of Plating Grace, which is an international food and faith movement. Okay. And then with that comes the TV show on EWTN, mm-hmm. uh, the, the whole movement of just cooking and serving people and bringing families back around the dinner table. And I've been doing it for the past, well, I don't know, I've been a priest 20 years, yep. so a long time. Fantastic. And so uh, it, it really kind of grew when I did an appearance on the Food Network and I beat an iron chef by the name of Bobby Flay. And so that kind of wow. made everyone think, okay, well, then maybe this guy's got something to offer. That's fantastic. Wow. So do you do this? Uh, you go all around the country? The world. The at world. This point. Really? Yeah, Holy I mean, uh, cow. Wow. Because everybody's got to eat, right? Yeah. And so I've been traveling around really this continent and this globe and just kind of reminding people of why Jesus became food in the first place. And that's something that we take for granted. We forget that 
we can give food. It's not the sacrament. But if you invite God's blessings, it becomes a sacramental, a reminder of God's presence. Where are you from, Father? Well, I'm a priest of a secular institute called Voluntas Dei. Mm -hmm. And that's actually started out in Canada. But I started off as a diocesan priest in Baltimore, Maryland, where I still live. Um, and I, at least I pay taxes in Baltimore because I really live at the, the Hampton Inn. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Father, thanks for stopping by our booth. We really appreciate it. Best of luck on your closing address. Thanks. My pleasure. God bless you so all. So great to meet you. Thank you. So the Changing Our World booth wants to welcome Juan Marin and Derek. And uh, these two young gentlemen are from Soldiers of Mercy. And they're attending the stewardship conference and they agreed to come and talk to us a bit about the work that they're doing that is just so inspiring. Juan and Derek, Juan, tell me, what is Soldiers of Mercy? Well, Anna, thank you for having us. Uh, Soldiers of Mercy is a youth ministry that currently is in five parishes around the area of the Miami Archdiocese. Soldiers of Mercy is a ministry that found, was founded uh, 10 years ago and we dedicate ourselves to forming uh, youth, Catholic youth. So uh, a lot of the youth that we get might not even come from Catholic backgrounds uh, or might not even be involved a lot in the Catholic faith. A lot of the kids that we get in the first couple of retreats are just kids that maybe their parents found out about the retreat and are hoping that our retreat might be a miracle worker for their rebellious kids that are going through their rebellious times because the kids that we handle are ages 13 to 18. Wow. And it's really, really a tough time for kids. So what we do is we create environments where the kids can come, first feel welcome, first feel accepted, loved, and feel a place where they know that they can belong to. And once they feel that they belong there and they feel the love that we create, then we can come and introduce them to what really is meaningful, what is important in their lives, and that, that is the word of Jesus. Right? So a lot of these kids come with wounds from broken families, from families that uh, don't really love each other or share what they should be sharing. And instead, they're looking for that love in other places, as we know it, drugs, uh, through social media, through relationships that aren't as pure as they should be, and so many different areas that these kids find their well happiness, quote-unquote. But here we are in Social of Mercy trying to offer them what true happiness is and saying, hey, look, we... We know where you're coming from. We know the wounds that you have. And let us show you what really life should be living like, right? How, how right. life should be worth. Right. And uh, you were telling me you work in the Archdiocese of Miami. Derek, tell me, which five parishes are you working with right now? Oh, well, right now I'm working with a parish called Mother of Christ. And it's very interesting what Juan was saying, like how kids come in and then they learn to love Christ. And it's kind of like it's, we're investing in the youth and then they invest back in us after we develop them. Like we have this small program to develop them. And then later on, we, we put them to work because then, you know, idle hands are the devil's tools, you know? Yes. So after a while, like me, like after I was formed, they put a camera in my hand and said, Derek, we know you love taking pictures. Try taking pictures of the church and do this. And now I'm, I'm working on, I worked on websites for Soldiers of Mercy. I worked, I worked on a small one for St. Timothy. And it's kind of like how once we develop our youth, we, they come to invest in us. And it's just amazing. So the five parishes that. that we are currently on is Mother of Christ in Kendall, Good Shepherd in Kendall as well, St. Timothy, uh, and then St. Barbara and St. Benedict in Hialeah. So those are the five parishes that are we are youth ministry. And every parish meets on every Friday and has groups coming from 30 to 50 kids. So in total, you're talking about 
200 to 250 kids that we cater to. That's awesome. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. What a pleasure to talk to you both. Thank you for stopping by the booth, and thanks for sharing this wonderful program. Thank you. Thank, Thank you for all the great work that you're doing. Of course. Inviting us, and we ask for everybody for their prayers. Absolutely. If somebody wanted to find out more information, is there a website or something? Yes. Uh, our website is soldiersofmercy.org. They can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, any social media. But our biggest uh, source is uh, our website. There you can find out all the information, who we are, where we came from, and what really our mission is and why we do what we do. Oh, awesome. Thanks, Thank guys. you so Fantastic. much. And thanks for the work that you do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, God bless. bless you. Thank you. So I'm Jim Friend. Your name is? Jim. I'm Fernando Figueredo. Fantastic. Fernando, where are you from? Uh, here from Miami. Uh, I mean, from originally from Cuba, uh -huh. but I've been in the United States for the last uh, 50 years. Wonderful. And what brings you to the conference today? Well, I'm a member of our stewardship council in St. Agnes, Kibuskane uh, Church, and I wanted to get a little bit more information on, you know, growing spiritually, the, the ability to participate more with other members of our community, which is a little bit of what we're going to be talking about, hopefully, at the conference. Fantastic. Did you come with a pretty big group? Well, no, I'm, I'm by myself, Okay. but but we do have other members yeah. of the church, of our church, that are going to be here in, sometime in the next hour or two. Oh, good. Yeah. Fan fantastic. And what do you do at the parish? What, uh, what well, are Well, at the, uh, the Stewardship Council, uh -huh. we participate in trying to get uh, different committees to become involved, um, the Eucharistic ministers, the lectors, the ushers, you know, the um, different Emmaus uh, communities and all that. So we... We want to make sure that everybody is involved in one way or another. That's fantastic. And are you seeing stewardship grow at your parish? We have. Yeah. It's been over the last three years since we started it. It's been an amazing uh, evolution to see more and more people becoming involved and actually having a big impact in what we do. That's fantastic. Well, I hope you have a fantastic conference. It's great to thank meet you. Thank you, Jim. Yeah, it's, it's great to be here. So thank you so much. Thank you. God bless. Okay, sure. I want to thank all of our guests for being on our show this week. We have some special bonus content for you at the close of our show today. Anna interviewed some of the participants of the convention in Spanish. And so for those of you who speak Spanish, stay tuned at the end of the show for some bonus content after the outro music. I want to thank Archbishop Wensky, Julianne Stans, Anna Vallez, Gavin Mooney, and all of the participants we interviewed on our show this week. Next week, we'll be traveling to the Diocese of Allentown, my home diocese, and interviewing the team at Colby Academy, the nation's first faith-based high school for students who are suffering from addictions. I hope you'll join us. Special thanks to Mackenzie O'Connor, Colleen Burdick, Sebastian Shaw, Jean Ann Montag, and Pottery Studios for helping to produce this episode. If you'd like more information about our show, please visit our website at advancingourchurch.com. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Advancing Our Church is a production of Changing Our World, a fundraising and social impact consulting firm that has been advising nonprofits and corporations for the past 20 years. For more information, please visit us at changingourworld.com. Well, that's it for me, everybody. Have a great week. Take care and God bless.
Buenos días, Fernando. ¿Qué Hola, tal? Ana, muy ¿Qué buenos tal? días. Gusto de verte. Gracias, gracias. Este, dime las razones que estás aquí en esta, en esta conferencia. Bueno, eh, claro, al ser miembro del comité de stewardship del San Agnes, de Kibiskein, la iglesia de San Agnes, la parroquia de nosotros, pues estamos tratando de eh, crecer un poco nuestra fe, crecer un poco eh, la, la conexión entre miembros de nuestra comunidad dentro de la comunidad de Kibiskein, de, de la iglesia. Eh, representando los diferentes comités de comités de eh, los lectores, los eh, ministros de Eucaristía, sí. catecismo, etc. Y, y entonces en esta conferencia lo que estamos tratando de hacer y la razón que estamos aquí es para unirnos más y, y recibir de la propia eh, arquidiócesis qué es lo que ellos quieren que nosotros hagamos en conjunto, ¿no? En conjunto como una comunidad completa de la arquidiócesis. No, yo sé. Y también yo creo que también es para crecer la parroquia, ¿verdad? Sí, crecer sí, sí. la iglesia católica, Exactamente. ¿verdad? Todo eso, Exactamente. Sí. Estamos tratando de crecer. Hemos tenido mucho, un impacto muy positivo sí. en nuestra parroquia con el comité de nosotros y tratando de crecer todos los grupos. Y nosotros hemos tenido mucho éxito con las comunidades este, latinos por sí. todo el país. Y una pregunta que yo tengo para ustedes. En Saint sí. Agnes, ¿qué es la palabra que usan para stewardship? ¿Es la administración, la corresponsabilidad? ¿Qué palabras usan? Bueno, eh, es, en español es una palabra difícil de traducir stewardship para el español. Eh, corresponsabilidad. Sí. Es decir, porque al fin todos somos responsables de, la, de lo que representa nuestra iglesia y tratar de, de unir a nuestra iglesia, ¿no? Y todos los miembros de nuestra comunidad. De ser buenos este, cristianos de fe también. Sí. De ser, y claro, ser buenos cristianos de fe. Pero para, para ser buenos cristianos de fe, cada uno independientemente, también necesitamos comunidad, porque la comunidad, el grupo, nos ayuda uno a los otros a poder crecer en nuestra fe. Qué bien, me da gusto. Y nosotros tenemos mucha información sobre el modelo sí, que ya usamos. Veo, ya veo, lo y veo este, hemos tenido bien. mucho éxito, no solamente para entender lo que es la corresponsabilidad, pero también lo que, lo que es para ser generosos. ¿Verdad? Claro. Y también lo que es Parece. el tiempo, talento y tesoro. ¿Verdad? Claro, exactamente. Eso es bien importante. El tiempo, talento y tesoro que cada uno de nosotros podemos dar alguna de esas áreas, sino las tres. Sino las tres. Cada, cada una en esas áreas para, sí. para seguir creciendo espiritualmente uno individualmente, pero también en conjunto. Y, y el modelo de nosotros es educar, involucrar y empoderar. Perfecto. Esas son las tres palabras Perfecto. que usamos para me este encanta, modelo. Me encanta, me encanta. Qué bien, léalo. Y educar, eh, eh, ¿cómo es? Educar, involucrar, involucrar y empoderar la qué gente. Qué lindo, qué lindo. Muy bien, eh, muy bien. Lo, lo felicito. Eh. Ay, muchísimas gracias. Bueno, Uno, gracias. Gusto en conocerte. Todos, gracias. Ajá. Buenos días. Buenos, Buenos días. días. Y, y bienvenidos a la mesa de Changing Our World. Gracias. Este, Gracias. Yo soy muy interesante en lo que hacen en sus parroquias sobre Por Amor Cristo. Dime un poquito de lo que hacen. Eh, muy buenos días. Mi nombre es Emerson. Eh, lo que hacemos en la parroquia es algo muy importante para la comunidad, para la parroquia. Un servicio al Señor en primer lugar. Eh, sirviéndole a los hermanos por medio de ellos eh, estamos siguiendo al Señor a Dios eh, es un ministerio de mayordomía 
eh, sirviendo, sirviendo a la comunidad más el servicio. Qué bien. ¿Y qué más? Esta comunidad es de, de, de mexicanos, de latinos, me imagino, no. ¿verdad? De puertorriqueños, de nicaragüenses, ¿verdad? Sí, eh, estamos todos unidos en, en una sola comunidad. Sí. Y también tenemos eh, los servicios de cafetería, pulgueros, visita a los enfermos y llevar a la, la Eucaristía, a las personas que no pueden ir al, al, a la iglesia. Sí. Y estamos al servicio de, de nuestro sacerdote porque la misión de nosotros es servir en la parroquia y, y en, las, en las actividades que, el, que nuestro sacerdote hace en la, en la iglesia. Y cuando hablan con las comunidades, hablan sobre la mayordomía, la corresponsabilidad, sí, sí, sí. usan esas palabras, también sí. hablan del tiempo, teso, tesoro, tiempo, y tal talento y tesoro. Sí, sí, hablan de eso. Porque la mayordomía es, en sí encierra todo lo que es el, el talento, eh, tiempo, talento y tesoro. Y también nos nos ayuda a, a crecer, a atraer más personas y enseñarles el estilo de vida que, que un embajador de Cristo en la tierra debe de hacer con nuestros hermanos y enseñarles lo que hemos aprendido nosotros. Y, y me, dan, me da gusto que están creciendo la iglesia, la iglesia católica con sí. este esfuerzo, yeah. ¿verdad? Sí. Este, lleva... Thank you. Thank you. Porque nosotros tenemos un modelo para stewardship, para okay. es educar, involucrar uh -huh. y empoderar. Ajá. Sí. Y eso Nosotros es, que... es atraer, guiar y educar. ¡Ándale! Sí. <risa> <risa> y este es el coordinador. Ahora él es el coordinador. Ah. Yo acabo de entregarle el cargo a él. Y como ellos decían, el Ministerio PAC de San Juan Bosco, como, como en las demás parroquias, eh, nuestra misión es, como dijo ella, atraer, educar y guiar. Atraer al hermano, al feligrés que no pertenece a ningún ministerio. Entonces, le, le, le llevamos a cabo los seminarios de mayordomía cristiana. Y eso, pues, eh, de esa manera nosotros los guiamos a los diferentes ministerios. Si se quieren quedar con nosotros, bien. Pero si no pueden irse, donde a ellos les parezca mejor. Entonces, la misión de PAC es atraer, educar y guiar. Y para que el, el feligres se sienta atraído en la parroquia y de una manera vamos sirviendo a la parroquia porque es un ministerio parroquial. Eso ¿verdad? me da gusto, sí. como no pueden imaginar. Muchísimas gracias. 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 Y, y leen esto y a ver lo que, lo que piensan. Gracias.